You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. As well, you can hear these podcasts at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, which are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume 317, by Rudolf Steiner, entitled Education for Special Needs, The Curative Education Course. Twelve lectures, translated by Anna Moise. This is Lecture 10, given in Dornach on the 5th of July, 1924. To begin with, I will refer once more to the cases which you have at the Lauenstein. I would first like to discuss the oldest of the boys you have there, who is sixteen, and essentially shows his need for special care in that he does not manage to get through his physical organization with his eye and astral body. He only came under your care at a relatively late age. Isn't it true that you did not know him before and he only came to you in his sixteenth year? That is, of course, why we have clearly developed antecedents in his case. If the boy could have been treated in such a way earlier on, from second dentition to sexual maturity, he would simply have felt the principles of Waldorf education, that is, the authority principle. And if he had been guided, constantly observing the things that interested him, and if one had then, basing oneself on these things that interest him, been able to broaden his field of interests, if he had had gentle lead, brackets, plumbum treatment at just this age, we would have the boy at a different level mentally today. It is clearly evident that the boy has interests, also some skill. But you have seen how things are from the test that was done. As you know, I asked him to do a simple calculation, a subtraction as we are used to doing it using the Waldorf education method. So he is asked how much has to be taken away from a given number so that a specific number is left. Not having a minuend and a subtrahend, therefore, but giving the minuend and the number left, the subtrahend must be found. This enters very much into the constitution of the psyche and, on the other hand, contributes much more to development than if we do the opposite. You have seen that the boy was able to solve the problem, but he was not able to do this instantly. He was very pleased at having solved it, after I had told him that he should have a solution in an hour and a half. He had the space of an hour and a half and was really pleased at having found the solution. There you saw clearly that the boy could do it. All parts of his organism were focused on the issue. It is just that he needed some time to do it, that is, his ether body and his physical body will immediately resist. They do not unfold their function, although the potential for this function is there. The point is that when you consider how his interests run, the boy clearly has his interests in such a way that they stay in the head organization. They cannot go down into the rest of the organization. A little incident demonstrated this. You saw him come with his little Kodak camera, wanting to photograph us. He did this very well with profound engagement. Afterward, I tried to tell him to take another snapshot, but that would have meant that he would have had to get the film, 
so that his interest would have extended further than what was immediately at hand. He balked at this. We could not get him to do it. When something catches his interest at the moment, he's all there. But when he needs to take this down into the system of metabolism and limbs, his ether body and physical body put up mighty resistance. And it is exactly here that educational therapy must intervene more and more at this age, although it will be harder than it would have been earlier. This makes it necessary that one takes things in which he shows a degree of interest as one's starting point, but then moves on to extend his sphere of interest in all directions. You will achieve a great deal with this boy if you take an instinct into account which he has and which is indeed perfectly healthy. One always finds healthy instincts even in organizations that show anomalies. The boy will immediately find that his sphere of interests has grown if you guide him toward things where dexterity is needed. To begin with, he has difficulties in following the route that is taken from the head organization to the organization of metabolism and limbs. And, as you have heard me say, he has difficulties because he has no powers of perception, not even the minimum found in normal people. However, when he sees something which is there before him, when he sees the dexterity of his own limbs, he will take great pleasure in this. So we must let him do things where he perceives the dexterity of his own limbs. It will be possible to help this by letting him do eurythmy therapy exercises with his legs and hands, and quite energetically setting the toes and fingers in motion, letting him look at all these movements of the limbs, that is making him look at himself. For children like this, who clearly show quite early on that they have such difficulties in letting things which the head makes out go down into the organism, for such children, it is too late for this boy, but you may of course always have such children come to you, it is quite good if, in the first place, you try to get them to reach their feet with the head. Try it for yourselves, and you'll see that it is a difficult procedure. But it is good if you can get children who have this kind of difficulty to kiss their own toes. And it is also good, and it will always be effective, might even still be extraordinarily beneficial for this boy, if you get them to hold a pencil between the big toe and the next one and manage to produce the forms of individual letters, and then enjoy writing with their foot. That might still serve quite well with this boy. It will be a kind of eurythmy therapy when he learns to write with his toes, and eurythmy therapy will be of great service in such cases. As to whether a course of lead treatment will also serve at this age, we shall have to see when we begin to try things out and observe the effects. You will see exactly from what I have been saying that this calls for more subtle observation. Seemingly minor things like getting the problem solved in one and a half hours, like not wanting to go back to the house to fetch the film, and so on. We must make this the object of constant observation. It is also evident from this that in educating children in need of special care, it is also up to the teachers that they must make it a habit to have a feeling for everything connected with the child in question. You see, you'll say, quote, yes, but how much time does it take to bring up children with special needs? You have to pay attention all the time. You can't meditate. 
you have no time to do anything else. That is not the case, and part of the esoteric aspect of such a life task is to fight inwardly against such an attitude. It is not at all that you are on the lookout all day, as it were, but that you develop a feeling for characteristic developments. It may be that someone who has learned to observe a number of children will, in a relatively short time, five or ten minutes, thoroughly understand a child, providing he always uses his eyes in the right way. It is not a question of how much time you spend on things, but of how much you connect with them inwardly. Much time could be saved, above all, in white-collar professions, if people would take note that one must really connect inwardly with the phenomena in question. Now, there was also a boy, a typical case, a fifteen-year-old with epilepsy. This is a typical case of what we have been considering here, but he, too, is some years older, this one of yours. It is a matter of taking the difficulty into account, which is that we have the transition to sexual maturity. Hasn't he been castrated? The development is there in the whole organism, and with the boy having been castrated, we have all the more an extraordinarily vehement phenomenon, the reaction to this artificial influence on sexual development. The way the boy now presents, he is a boy where the very transition to sexual maturity will prove to be extraordinarily difficult. For puberty is a process in the whole organism, and at present castration means no more to him but that there is a reaction affecting his sexual maturity. It will therefore simply be a question of taking into account that the boy is at a stage where it is necessary to treat him in the way in which one needs to treat boys in puberty, which is carefully to make them connect with everything that will arouse their interest in developments in the world in which they find themselves. Above all, it is a matter of providing Walt of education. You may try and not leave him to his inner turmoil, but keep him outwardly occupied all the time, so that he'll develop an intense interest in things and events outside. Tell me how far the boy has got at school. Perhaps you can tell us about it, bracket Albrecht Strohschein. He is unable to read or write, and nothing at all was started last year where school is concerned. Last year Mrs. F. started reading and writing with him, but that was with this Montessori box. He made no progress whatsoever, could not do so, and is therefore at zero point where school education is concerned. Close bracket. Steiner again. He does not respond much to the world around him. Now, it is exactly there that we need to use Waldorf education, as with very young children. That is, start with painting and simply get him to put whatever is his inner torment into the colors. You start by letting him paint and you'll see what he arrives at in the process. You then continue on with whatever has emerged from his own disposition. It will be absolutely necessary, especially with this boy, to provide medical treatment. I don't think we have discussed treatment so far. He should be given algae and belladonna, so that would be the medical treatment for him. You can understand the nature of the algae injections, but it is good to think more deeply about these things, for you will need to use them independently in individual cases. Why would one think of algae injections in a case like this? 
Algae are plants that have no definite root development, nor greatly developed flowers. Flower and root are pushed together, really, and the main element is the herbaceous organization which gives rise to everything else. The leaf predominates, so that there is no very intensive relationship to the earth in this plant. On the other hand, there is also no intense connection with the cosmos, and what we have is a relationship to everything that happens in the watery and airy elements, directly on the surface of the earth. Algae and fungi are the plants that have entered fully into the interactions between air and watery elements. The strange thing is that these plants powerfully attract the very small amount of sulfur which is present everywhere today, both in the watery element and in the air. Brought into the rhythmic organism, these plants are particularly useful in establishing harmony between astral body and ether body, and that is exactly what is missing in a boy like this. When you find that you are dealing with a disorder which is due to the fact that the eye organization is making too many demands on the astral body, not letting it enter into the etheric body, it will be necessary rather to reach for the fungi. You will reach for the algae, which are closer to ordinary plants, when physical body and etheric body will not let the astral body enter, and disharmony arises, because the resistance comes from the ether body, when there is no excessive attraction of the eye organization, but the particular resistance comes from the ether body. Then there was a girl. Won't you tell us about it on the basis of what I have said? Bracket Albrecht. A girl with protruding lips, you pointed out that something must have happened with her astral body between her third and fourth year, that there must have been severe itching and scratching. Her mother later confirmed that she had high temperatures and that there was itching. Nicotine animas were recommended for treatment, and if that did not help, nicotine injections. She is 15 years of age. Close bracket, Steiner again. So we have a girl who is 15, but clearly shows that the astral organization has shown little intensity in its interventions in the whole organism. The whole type of the girl shows this. Above all, the astral organization is much too weak in holding on to the eye in the face of the temptations engendered in people, especially when they are eating feeling the food, the taste, to be all too sweet, too delicious, agreeable. The lips protrude particularly when the astral body is not sufficiently active in the region of the lower face, for tasting the foods, dealing with them already in the mouth, is too much of a voluptuous pleasure. Such phenomena have long antecedents, and such a thing may of course arise at a time that is relatively late. At the time I said that that there must have been some irregularity in her childhood development between the third and fourth year. You will, of course, only be able to ask of yourself the ability to note such things when you enter into them with the love I have just spoken about and to which I must attach great value. You should really never make the excuse, quote, I must be clairvoyant to see such things, close quote. That is an inner laziness which someone who enters into the teaching profession should really never have. No, the point is that 
long before you gain the clairvoyance needed for research in general, for instance, you develop loving devotion for the things that show themselves in the human being, those developing particularly with abnormal states, and with that loving devotion develop the inner ability simply to look at the things that matter. At that moment you will find the right words yourself. This does of course need esoteric courage. This esoteric courage does develop, except that there may be one thing that stands in its way. You see, it is a strange phenomenon that the inner intuitions which people may well have go largely unnoticed. Anthroposophists have so many opportunities to pay heed to these inner intuitions, and they do have many more of them than people think. But they pay no attention to them, because the moment when they should pay attention to such things, they find themselves facing a vanity that is difficult to overcome. You know, when such abilities are discovered, all kinds of vanity impulses shoot and sprout up. And among all the things that I have spoken of, yesterday, for example, with regard to the present age, is the tendency, the tremendous tendency of present-day humanity to develop all kinds of vanity. You see, there we do have something which must be taken into account, especially by those of today's younger generation, and you are, of course, part of this, who devote themselves in some way to a great vocation. And how this must really come about and must in turn help to regenerate the human race. I am not at all misunderstanding or failing to understand the modern youth movement in saying this, but am speaking with genuine understanding in saying the following. The modern youth movement is a necessity. It is something extraordinarily significant. And for older people with understanding, also of the greatest possible interest. So, I'll say nothing whatsoever against the youth movement, nor against the fact that the older generation is so little inclined to understand the modern youth movement, and that much has gone wrong because it is not taken seriously enough, and people don't give it enough consideration. On the other hand, the young people themselves will have to take something into account when it is a question of taking up real specific tasks in their movement. People with experience in this field will, of course, have to draw attention to this. The young people must take note of something that is causing serious problems for anything meant to come from the youth movement. It is a certain vanity. Vanity exists everywhere in the youth movement, not so much from some kind of bad behavior, but rather for a reason which no doubt makes it inevitable. It is exactly because will to action calls for inner abilities to be strongly developed, which under aramonic influences simply cause vanity to arise to a marked degree. You see, I have been able to observe many people of various ages. It has been possible for me to observe some phenomena in this field very closely, but it was possible to see that with the coming of the age that followed the Kali Yuga, vanity shot up particularly strongly, not only among young people, but here we are interested in this special form which comes up among the young people, and prevented the young people from developing the quality which should belong to being young today. Hence the phenomenon which is so common, talking at large about missions, great tasks, 
and little inclination to concern oneself with the special small things that are needed for this. In future, there will be particular need for something which once in an extraordinarily Philistine field, but from a certain intuition, was called, in quotes, attention to little things. It is something which young people, in particular, should practice. They are indulging too much in abstractions. That, however, is something which powerfully takes one into vanity. You have to consider the difficulty which exists there and make that part of our esoteric endeavor. You have to think of the tremendous difficulty which exists. To say something to a person from intuitive insight, things are not as plain as plain can be, and things which lay people say about children with special needs are generally wrong, you have to be able to see through to what is there. You need something, and that is that you say to yourselves with energy and courage, not just for the moment, but making it a permanent part of your quality of mind, quote, I can do it, close quote. If you say this to yourself over and over again, without vanity, but prepared to make sacrifices, overcoming the things that militate against it, saying it and not merely feeling it, you will see how much you can indeed do, especially in this direction. Look, therefore, for what needs to develop, not dreaming things up, not looking for it in tissues of thoughts, but in this consistent, courageous state of mind, which will simply develop, because in the simplest way you fetch up from your soul what is there, underneath masses of dirt, swamp, and peat bog, metaphorically speaking. Generally speaking, people cannot get anywhere in the field of education because they have not ever, and in all seriousness, let a truth come alive in them. It is that in the evening you enter into the awareness, quote, God is in me, close quote. God is in me, or the divine spirit, or whatever, but let it not just be theory. For most people's meditations consist in them telling themselves things that are pure theory and in the morning, so that it will shine out over the whole of your day, quote, I am in God, close quote. Just consider what you are actually doing in letting these two ideas come alive in you, ideas that become sentience and indeed will impulses. What you are doing is to have this image before you, quote, God is in me, close quote. And the next morning, you have this image before you, quote, I am in God, close quote. It is one and the same, the upper and the lower figure, see plate 12. You just need to understand that this is a circle. This is a point. It merely does not emerge at night, but only does so in the morning. In the morning, you must think, that is a circle. That is a point. You have to understand that a circle is a point, a point a circle, and really grasp this inwardly. You see, this alone will enable you to get to the human being. For if you remember the drawing I made for you of the human being, of metabolism and limbs, and of the head human being, this drawing was nothing but the development and realization of what is now being presented to you in simple fashion, as a figure to meditate on. In the human being we have the realization of the 
I, capital, point, of the head, becoming a circle in the human being of limbs, a circle which has, of course, been configured. And you'll only come to understand the whole human being when you approach him in this way, when you try and understand him inwardly. But first you must have this, that the two figures, the two ideas, are one and the same, that they do not differ from one another at all. They differ only when seen from outside. There's a yellow circle, and there it is too. There's a blue point, there it is too. Why? Because that is a diagrammatic representation of the head, and that is one of the body. But when the point asserts itself down into the body, well, then it turns into the spinal marrow. When the point enters in here, that which it is intended to be in the head organization turns into the attached spinal marrow. See plate 12. The inner dynamics of morphology will simply be evident to you from this. You can arrive at an anatomy, a physiology, by basing your meditation on this. You'll then get the inner intuition as in how far your maxilla and your mandible are limbs, in how far your head is a whole organism sitting up on top, its limbs atrophied, through atrophy changed into jaws. And you get the idea of how teeth and toes are polar opposites. Just look at the attachments to the jaw bones, and you'll see there the toes that have atrophied, the feet and hands which are atrophied in there. But to be effective in that respect, the meditation, my friends, must not be in the mood of, quote, I want to snuggle down in a warm nest inwardly. Let it be warm and still warmer for me. Close quote. No. The mood must be one where you enter into reality. Take hold of reality. Attention to the little things, to the littlest things. Interest in small things must not be driven away, my friends. It has to be such that the earlobe, the nail pairing, a piece of human hair, interests you just as much as Saturn, Sun, and Moon. After all, such a human hair holds all else within it, and someone who goes bald is indeed losing a whole cosmos. It truly is the case that something which is visible on the outside can be inwardly created, providing one has the power to overcome, which is needed in meditative life. But you'll never find this where there are any traces of vanity, and these do keep coming up all over the place. It is therefore necessary, my friends, if you truly want to be teachers, especially of children with special needs, that you develop this attention to little things, doing so in the most modest way possible, and on that basis then also encourage this attention to the little things in others in the youth movement. It then is possible to be given pointers, and this is then outwardly verified, which is also what happened in this case. There, I have to say, I see the greatest mistakes made in undertakings within our anthroposophical movement. You see, we have the case before us. I told you that in the case of this girl, there must have been a kind of anomaly between the third and fourth years. You ask her mother, the mother confirms it. What did you do then? Would you please be quite open and honest and tell me what you did when her mother had confirmed it? In brackets, silence.
Now, you three, will you be really honest esoterically? What did you do? In brackets, silence. If you had done the right thing, you would be saying, quote, We jumped for joy so much that we made a hole in the ceiling. Close quote. And then a reflection of that leap would not just show itself inwardly, but it would shine out. That is exactly it. Enthusiasm in living with the truth. This is what must be there. It is something which for years has caused me such dreadful pain in the anthroposophical movement that people are firmly rooted in the ground, young ones as much as old ones. Let us think about the way in which they can be firmly rooted in the ground. You see, essentially Nietzsche was of a very different ilk. He made his Zarathustra into a dancer. You should be dancers, the way Zarathustra was meant to be a dancer. There is nothing more delightful than to live with the truth. It is a much more important and essential esotericism than going around with long faces. This inner way of living in the truth is something which must come long before all other ways of telling oneself that one has a mission. The girl developed an occult fever when between three and four years of age. It is also called occult fever in medicine, one of the few areas where the old terminology is still used. When a physician does not know what is causing the fever, he calls it an occult fever. This occult fever developed. A particular weakness existed in her astral body during that period, between her third and fourth years. The physical body and the ether body created a reaction, and this then grew too powerful. The astral body could no longer keep up. It is therefore particularly necessary with her that firstly we know that a strange atrophy developed here in her third year with the astral body cramped within itself. I have to do something here. It needs proper help, and we can do so educationally by creating lively interest. Do tell us, how were things at school with this girl? Bracket Albrecht Strohschein. The girl will not live at the Lauenstein Center. She'll only come for treatment. She was at a special school up to her 16th year is able to read and write and to do calculations up to about a thousand. Otherwise, we do not know anything else about her. She only came up to us for the presentation. Tobacco animas were recommended. Close bracket. Steiner again. She will need eurythmy therapy. Why? The reason is that because of the astral body, atrophy, the child's upper organism has developed a most powerful tendency to be deformed. The child looks positively brutal because everything located around the masticatory organs is deformed. Careful investigations of the anti-deformation action of nicotine juice made at the local Institute of Clinical Medicine have shown that it can have a positive effect in this particular case. One may start slowly with this, giving it by mouth first and observing it carefully. You have to develop an eye, EYE, for it to see if the masticatory organs begin to be more under the organism's control. Here they are almost completely outside the sphere of anything the child encompasses with her soul. They merely lie there, giving nicotine juice by mouth in a suitable decimal potency. We may start with the sixth and go as far as the fifteenth. 
If you find, however, that the action is too weak, introduce the nicotine juice into the circulation in high potencies so that the astral body is reached directly via the circulation and you'll then achieve what oral exhibition does not achieve. But perhaps it is a good thing. This is something I must add. If we then try and see to it that the actions that need to be retained within the astral body do not act up too much into the eye organization, but stop before they reach it. This can be done by giving a bath with a slight addition of sulfur, a weak sulfur bath, but rarely so, perhaps only once a week. You see, tomorrow we are going to discuss the other children who were there, and it will be a matter of special satisfaction for me to consider the interesting phenomenon of albinos, which we have good occasion to study, especially at your center. There we have two such children, an older one who is fifteen, and a very little sister. Did you get their horoscopes? Bracket, speaking to Dr. Elizabeth Freda, who then handed him the horoscopes. Close bracket. That is the older girl, and this is the younger one. What is the position of Uranus? You did not find particular relative positions? Bracket, Dr. Elizabeth Freda. Yes, we did, just here for Uranus and Neptune. Neptune in opposition to Uranus, in the case of the older child. Close bracket. Steiner again. You see, don't you, these children do exist. Wherever you see them, you get two main phenomena, the very fair hair and poor vision, with changes in the eyes. These are the two archetypal phenomena. Even a superficial look shows that with albinos we have an organization that is very weak in dealing with iron, but deals easily with sulfur. The fact is that the organization resists iron, especially dealing with iron near the periphery. It stops before reaching the periphery. Sulfur, on the other hand, is taken to the periphery and beyond the periphery, so that one sees the sulfur aura everywhere in the region of hair growth, bleaching the hair, weakening it. And in the development of the eyes, which is relatively independent, with the eyes developed from outside, put into the organism, we see even more of the independent sulfur aura which literally compels the eyes to leave the etheric and play into the astral. We can downright see the eye torn out of its cave in the rocks in such children, leaving the ether body disregarded, with particular demands made on the astral body. Very important questions arise at this point. Human beings are in their development, on the one hand, connected with forces in the earth, forces that betray themselves in the earth's substance. They are also connected with the whole cosmos. They depend on both. Both are part of individual karmic development and also of the hereditary stream. Now as to the hereditary streams, neither the father nor the mother of the two children presented to us have albino elements in their heredity. Nothing, nothing at all, normal people. Yet somewhere in the antecedents there was a grandmother of whom it was said that she too had albino traits. Bracket Dr. Ilse Knauer. It was a sister of the child's mother, close bracket, Steiner again, an aunt, therefore. It is there in the antecedents. We merely have to consider that the tendency was there in the antecedents. Didn't you say on that day that there had been other children, also in Jena, from the river Sal region? 
bracket Dr. Ilse Knauer, two children and an adult, a man of 32 who was married, only one of the three had an albino in the antecedents, close bracket Steiner again. You see how the business is, in a sense, endemically connected with the region, but cut across sharply from another side. Quite sporadically, an albino appears under certain circumstances, or does not. So the question is, how does an albino appear in a region? We know that it is a sulfurization right to the outside, so that the aura, the periphery, shows small sulfur infarctions. We look around to see where sulfur occurs in the region. The whole river valley is provided with pyrite, and this compound of sulfur and iron exists in such a way that we can study how is the iron in the region, how is the sulfur in the region, where do the marvelously beautiful pyrites occur in the region of the Saal River. These handsome, fine, golden pyrite cubes occur in the region of the Saal River. See plate 12, the center. Other local areas are gypsiferous, gypsum-containing, as you know, gypsum is calcium sulfate dihydrate, containing about 20% of water. This gives us another opportunity to study sulfur as it is bound in gypsum. It casts light on everything that lives in the atmosphere and so on, so that we must first of all consider everything coming from the soil that is connected with the absorption of sulfur and iron. It is generally a region rich in iron, and the question is, how does a mutual relationship develop between earth and man where the earth is able to attract iron most powerfully, but man does so only with difficulty? What must the relative positions be to make human beings particularly inclined to reject iron and take in sulfur? There you come to look to the cosmos, studying the relations between heavenly bodies at the birth of such a child. It cannot be done at conception. You will find that the question comes up if there were specific relative positions for children who are albinos, relative positions that one does not get at any time but only rarely. There is no point in looking at data arising with fast-orbiting planets. You need to look at those which take a long time to complete their orbit, meaning Saturn and Uranus. So you see how questions arise in such a case. You have to have the questions first. Then you can go into such a case in detail. Here again I would like to speak of a minor course of treatment. So I am going to make use of what it says here. I'll consider this tomorrow. According to what I was told this morning, you want something different to be given in the lectures because they are too much about, quote, careful attention to the little things, close quote, which is something you need. I want to meet your wishes as much as possible using the method I used with the workers. There I gradually gave the sessions a direction where I would ask what I am to talk about, so that from a certain point onward the subject matter they wanted to have discussed was given by them themselves. Now the workers can never complain that the talk is not about something which they do not want to hear. The End of Lecture 10